Welcome to the Your Mom Has a Blog Podcast. I'm Chad Edgington. I'm Melissa Edgington. And here we are, day 12 of 31 for 31 Challenge. 31 things to teach your kids in 31 days. It's May Madness. And this is nuts because we just did an all-day dance recital marathon. I'm so tired. Yeah. I sat through so many dances today. And it was not fair. Don't you feel sorry for me? No, not at all. I did three recitals. That's that is more than any man should have to do. Some people have fought wars. I've well, that's true. <laughs> I don't have anything on that. Wow, that was that was uh, quite a uh, quite a day. And uh, well, that's jumping back up there. All right, so we have a special show to today. Um, our good friends Jackson and Heather Chain are joining us. Hello, Jackson and Heather. Hello. Hey, guys. <laughs> so we've Delayed got the reaction. Yeah, we've. Got, <laughs> it's sort of like whenever you're on, uh, when you're watching the, the the people that are like in New York and they're talking to someone in Afghanistan yeah. and they're listening and like, ha, 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 oh, oh, yeah, yes, yeah, you're right, you're right. So uh, anyway, it's great to uh, have you guys on. So Jackson's listening on little earbuds and he can't hear. So we're trying to, um, you know, we're, try- we're trying to speak up without being too loud. So if our audio, I mean, our audio is peaking a little bit here because we're trying to let Jackson hear. So just deal with the audio for episode 12. Don't freak out. There's nothing we can do about it. Actually, this we can turn ourselves because I can laugh at Melissa's joke and just totally gloss over yours. That's right. That's what everybody else does. <laughs> so anyway, Jackson, uh, tell us about you and uh, tell us about you and Heather. Or Heather, you can jump in there as well. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself to the Your Mom Has a Blog podcast audience? Um, my name is Jackson, and. Um, I know Chad through uh, school and uh, through church for many years, and I've uh, married my sweet wife, Heather. By the way, it's Mother's Day tomorrow, so they're, uh, what? happy Mother's Day to you mothers out there. Um, and so we celebrate tonight, and so we're, we're having a lot of fun. I just want to introduce her to this idea of talking to you guys through this podcast, and you guys have encouraged us, not only in your marriage and your ministry, but in this ministry of a podcast and Melissa's blog in many ways, so we, we're... Um, pretty excited to be on it with you guys. So what did you do to celebrate Mother's Day, Heather? It's tomorrow. Well, they said they celebrated tonight. Oh. You need to listen. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, we had a date night last night and date night tonight. Wow, two days of celebration. That hasn't happened, I think, ever in our uh, almost 13 years of marriage. So tonight we... um, Ended up spontaneously at a restaurant and um, ate some pretty good food. And then Benjamin had meltdown on the way home, and that was awesome, getting a crying child to bed at 10 o'clock. Wait, so you had a, wait, you had a date night, but you had a kid with you? Well, no, we had to pick them up from okay. where they were being babysat. I, I, I think in official Christian world, um, Christendom, that does not count as a date if your kids are along. Yeah. That's just parenting. Yeah, no, they weren't. They get, weren't along. Just, just at the end of kids. bringing them home. Well, so Jackson um, and Heather, 
our our really good guest tonight for our 31 for 31 topic. Melissa, why don't you introduce the topic and then we'll hear Jackson and Heather's story. Tonight we're going to talk about teaching your kids how to think about hard things. So, you know, we've said several times on the podcast that Chad's theory is that the time to form a theology is before the bad stuff happens. And so we're hoping that this podcast will be a way to help us all do that. Jackson and Heather have been through some tough stuff in the last few years, and they've got some wisdom to share with us. So do you guys want to tell us a little bit about what's been going on with y'all in the last few years? Yeah, I think uh, for us it started, um, you know, Heather and I got married in 2005, and we had a lot of uh, great memories and great exciting times because as every newlywed uh, thinks that they'll, be in love forever, and they'll be in good health forever, and have children and live, you know, a beautiful Disney-like life. And and I think a lot of ways we felt like we did, but um, somehow before my uh, my 40th birthday, my body just betrayed me, and uh, found out uh, that my body had uh, been growing a tumor that ended up being a cancer, and that just surprised us, you know, in 2011. And uh, our, our oldest at the time was three. And Benjamin had just been born, so he was a newborn. So I remember that. Yeah, it was so not, it was I remember it that, that you called me or told me that it was like a, and I've tried to relate this to other people, that the tumor was basically the size of a puffy Cheeto. <laughs> a puffy Cheeto? A puffy Cheeto. No, it was, it was about <laughs> seven inches long, puffy oh, Cheeto. Well, that, that was like a mutant puppy, a puppy cheetah. <laughs> so it was like the size of a banana, like a plantain? No, actually, it was four and a half <laughs> inches long, two and a half inches wide. Okay, so roughly, what, so what is that the size of then? Uh, I don't know, a, a mango? Um, <laughs> it's more of like a small banana. It's a banana. Yeah, it's like yeah. a plantain. I saw it after it was extracted. Oh, it was a tiny, tiny banana. You saw it? Yeah. But the best, the best part of the story is that it was the World Series, October, and the Texas Rangers were doing really well. And we were celebrating Hudson's birthday, and we were all sitting on the couch watching uh, the Rangers. We're all getting tense and anxious, and Jackson's like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? What's going on? And he's like, man, I think I've got sports thanks to my chest. This is the first time I've ever felt like this. I'm not really a big Rangers fan. And he got really into it. Then the next day, he's like, the sports angst isn't really going away. Maybe I need to go to the doctor. And the doctor's like, well, you could just have heartburn. And he gave you Zantec or whatever. Yeah, I don't even know what drug this. you use for that. But he's yeah. like, here, take this heartburn medication for a few days. And if it doesn't get better, call me back. So it didn't get better. And then he went in and he's like, well, <laughs> let's do an x-ray. And then he's like, oh, yeah, you got a tumor. You got a mess. So it turns out sports angst is really a small banana sitting on top of your heart. Right. But he really had not had any symptoms until that week, and he just felt like somebody kicked his chest in, and then Mm -hmm. turned out it was a big banana tumor in his chest. And if it was just a few, and wasn't wasn't the deal if it was just a few millimeters one way or the other, it could have been inoperable or something like that? Was there something yeah. like that? Yeah, it would the... have been invading in my, uh, it actually did invade my pleura space in my lungs. 
but it could have um, taken more of it, and that's when it gets a little more, a different level of deadliness. So essentially what happened from that was, you know, we had to learn really quickly, um, wow, this is real. Uh, surgery was immediate. Um, it was open chest surgery. We were in the doctor's office that day at, what, 4 o'clock? The surgeon looked a little bit like um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, the actor. It was hard to consider. <laughs> Who you know weird, sometimes would do funny movies and sometimes kind of scary, Dark serious movies. movies. And you weren't sure which one this one was. Exactly. He was he was really nice, and he was like, "Well, we need to get you scheduled." And then the the front desk lady was very kind, and then. Uh, we were thinking, oh, in a couple of weeks or something like that. And he said, well, I'll see you guys tomorrow morning at 7.30. Wow. And we were like, oh, I guess that means it's pretty serious. But even in those moments when we didn't know what to think, because he would say stuff like, um, well, this is what the um, diagnosis is. And I would say, so what does that mean? He says, well, if you don't do anything, this is what happens. And I was like, well, what if I do do something? He's like, well, this would happen, but um, you may die. And that's when I'm like, um, what? what? Uh. Yeah. Because he carefully explained the surgery and how it was along a certain nerve that if he cut it, that your life would end yeah. in that moment. <laughs> but, but what was wonderful about it was God showing up in, in small uh, ways even then. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, my insurance was um, was pretty good, but not... Because it was I, the end of the year. It was the December surgery. Yeah, yeah. so I didn't, I didn't know what would be covered or not. And uh, essentially, we found out that um, we met our deductible by that by that event of going to the doctor, and so the you know, which was like thirty two dollars and eleven cents or something. It was the exact amount of the doctor's visit. So then the whole entire surgery was covered by insurance because yeah, so big, um, we had met that. So it was really big really neat. Lifted. Yeah, and then and then after that, you know, I had a couple of uh, radiation treatments for my chest in Houston, MD Anderson. And uh, being away from family was hard, and I was hard on Heather and um, the boys, and um, especially Benjamin being so young, and definitely on Hudson because he was like, oh, my dad used to be here. He used to be really silly and fun and get to see him all day. And um, and now he's in another foreign land called Houston. That's right. And, uh, so you should just never have to go there. Chat and I was like, yeah, this is a foreign land. It's humid. <laughs> um, it was, I think it was confusing for Hudson because yeah. he was um, – I think he was scared, and then he was angry, and um, all those things at one time. And, yeah, Jackson had quite a recovery after the first surgery where he couldn't lift anything. He had to kind of learn how to laugh and cough again without yeah. it hurting, and he couldn't touch the kids or hold them or lift oh. them or do anything with them for cool. a good, well, almost a month. And then yeah. a couple months after that, he was... Going to Houston. So I have a question. So Jackson actually told me one of the reasons that he couldn't uh, be around the kids at that time is because he was literally radioactive. Mm, that would be from the second. That was the cancer, second actually. surgery. Yeah, the mm -hmm. second cancer uh, gave me some radiation that I needed to ingest, and I was radioactive, and I was holed up in my parents' house for a week. Right. That was also hard. <laughs> And that was also on Mother's Day. That was on Mother's Day. That was a fun. Yeah. That was a fun Mother's Day. Yeah. Um, Heather drove at my parents' house. You remember my parents' house, uh, Chad? Yeah. Right yeah. Behind Harwood. Yeah. And Heather pulled up with the boys, and I saw them from the front door, and I just waved at them, and that was our visit for Mother's Day. Oh man, that's terrible. <laughs>
keep the radioactive guy away. Yeah, it's like when they when they came back from the moon and they had to just wave at the president. <laughs> exactly. The, the mirror of the of the airline trailer or airstream trailer, whatever that was. Yeah. 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 A decompression chamber. So that was. Um... 2013. So the second Eight. surgery was they were doing a scan just to make sure that the first surgery had done what it was supposed to do, and then they found cancer in his thyroid and then decided to remove the thyroid, and then it was in a couple lymph nodes around there, so took those out, and then, yeah, you got to take a radioactive pill and do that for a week, and, and that was so that was the second one. And then... Six months Minus later, myasthenia gravis. Yeah, six what months later, the uh, myasthenia gravis came, which we had never heard of that disease. Didn't know what that was, but one day he came home from work and he couldn't keep his eyes open and had a massive headache and just had to go lay down for three hours. And you had what taken Hudson camping at Great Bun Lake mm-hmm. and gotten in the water and thought, oh, well, maybe I have. Dirty lake, you know. bacteria in my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so basically, basically, Jackson always misdiagnoses himself. It's like I've got sports angst. I've got yeah, exactly. dirty water in my eyes. Right. So he went to, see, to be like an awful disease. He went to see an eye doctor because he's like, well, maybe my twenty twenty vision is failing me. And then the eye doctor was like, well, you still have twenty twenty vision, but there is this one thing that you could have. And uh, I think it might be this, and it was myasthenia gravis, which is a autoimmune muscular uh, neuromuscular disease that goes along with the first tumor that he had, the thymoma. And you can describe what that feels like. It just means I'm always um, monitoring my energy and making sure I don't feel overly fatigued or weak because my body's trying to give signals. My brain's trying to give signals to my muscles to contract but it won't. And so how it manifests is my right eyelid droops down. I can't control it. I can't hold it up. And then my, um, in some cases, my tongue and my cheeks get really tired. So um, it happened in a business meeting once where I was presenting to the VP and my voice sounded like that. My eye looked down. And I was drunk. <laughs> and I got some medication. And I've been better since then. Yeah, but even the medication was quite a uh, roller coaster ride because a lot of uh, times it would make you feel uh, like you were going to pass out. Yeah. A couple times he did pass out, and then um, stomach cramps and all sorts of stuff. So that took a year to really get that balanced out, and yeah. that was challenging in itself. What's been good about that, too, is, again, you know, I think our children um, – well, first of all, we didn't understand what was going on, and we we're yeah. dealing with the um, complications of understanding medication, the doctors, and communicating with them well, and then and then communicating that with our children. What, the, what does that mean to them? You know, right. Daddy needs a nap right now, which sounds like a great excuse, but I really do need naps. Yeah. Uh, or I just can't go and do you know full tilt everything that I want to do. Um, but it's been a good um, it's been a good practice in communicating and being patient with them helping to understand things that are difficult that, that we don't even fully understand. And instead of us just saying, just trust us, just listen to us, we actually try walking through in a way that says, here's what we're learning where we don't have faith or where we need faith. And it allows us to actually be vulnerable in those ways, first of all. And then secondarily, it allows us to say, this is how we want 
to walk through it ourselves. And so we want to have you see how we're walking through it. Mm-hmm. So what do the children understand right now of the cancer or the myasthenia gravis? Do they know that you're suffering from those things? Yeah, we've used the word cancer. We've they, They've been with us many times to MD Anderson in Houston. And a lot of times we make it a fun family trip if it's in the summer and head on down to Galveston afterwards, you know, yeah. and it's kind of become... I used to hate Houston, and now I have a love-hate relationship with it because I've found some fun things about it, and we've probably been there 20 times, I think, now in the last seven years and kind of get used to it in a way, but each time it's still kind of sad and anxiety-filled. And um, But now I think we usually just tell them, I think the way we've described cancer to them is that daddy's daddy's body has bad cells in it. And we don't want the bad cells to be there. So sometimes the surgeon has to take them out. And when he goes down to the doctors, they scan his body to make sure that they're not there anymore. And Uh we just pray that they're not there. But if they're there, then we have to take care of them and kind of be proactive about it. So they get excited when we get a good report. And Hudson was very happy that Daddy got a good report this time. And... Um, and we asked him to pray for me too, my yeah. body. We asked him to pray that you know, God heals my body and that the cells that don't need to be there aren't there through God's power. And, um, and so they're cognizant that there's, that God's involved, not just you know, medicine and not just the doctor's opinions. Right. right. So what, what would I you think say? It's been, I'm sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I, I think it's been hard, harder sometimes to understand the myasthenia part when he's tired or needs a nap or, kind of maybe the kids don't understand those things but yeah so well, i look like i'm normal at all times yeah he you, looks pretty yeah, normal you, look you wouldn't you look know good. that he has that yeah you <laughs> would never would guess it but uh yeah. i was uh, so for people that are that are curious um or going through a hard time or thinking what well, you know that's inevitable that we're going to walk through something that's difficult it may not be cancer uh could be a death of a a parent or um, a grandparent or a friend or, you know, there's just, we live in a sinful fallen world and these are the kind of things that are par for the course. These are ways we know God takes sin seriously is because he's thrown this world into uh, frustration and, and we see the effects of the fall everywhere we look and we're waiting uh, Paul says, you know, like a woman in labor for the baby to be born, we're waiting for the revealing of the glory of the sons of God, you know. So we know we're going to go through these things, trials, tests, storms, Jesus even told us. So what would you say if someone said, well, how do I teach my kids or how do I walk my children through a hard time, a, diff- a hard thing in life? What would you say are steps or how would you... Um, advise them to do that. I'm asking that question. Well, Melissa, what would you? Yeah, you're, yeah, that's a great question. But I would say even before we get to that, where have you guys landed on thinking through these things yourselves, you know, about how to think about this in a biblical way and looking at it through, you know, a biblical lens? You know, when Heather and I talk about this in our own time, it's a lot of, you know, unknown honestly you just have to um 
let things happen the way they are going to. You have to trust the doctors uh, in so much as you want to trust them, honestly. There have been times I've declined several things. That's not what I'm going to do. That's not worth it for my body, for my quality of life, so forth. Um, But from a biblical lens, really, it's about um, trusting um, with their faith, trusting with our bodies, and trusting that, you know, when the Bible says that um, our life is like a vapor, then we say, okay, well, then that means... (laughs) It, no, no one's guaranteed another day. No, mm-hmm. no one's guaranteed a perfect life. Mm-hmm. And this is a good example of, you know, it may be a surprise to us, but we can trust God and we can learn that this is where our faith deepens. And this is where we learn how to hold on to each other and make our family, you know, central, um, our faith central to our family. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then how do you talk about that with your kids? How would you, how would you tell someone maybe, you know, in a more general sense, how would you teach your kids to walk through a hard thing? What would be some principles you've learned of how to do that? Um, I'm going to answer for the second hard thing, which has been that my mom passed away almost two years ago from cancer. And it was a very fast, less than three weeks we knew and she, her body broke down and she was gone. And I can say that we are still walking through that. For me, myself, it's still a daily, daily thing. And for the kids, it's a, been a roller coaster ride of sometimes they're very much in grief and then other times they're not. But it's still, at least in the back of uh, their minds, and they're still learning how to live without their Nana and still processing, I think, the reality of, well, my, my daddy had cancer. <laughs> And still does, and he, we're walking through that. But then she had a different cancer that she passed away from quickly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I think that has been, um, well, in the beginning it was scary for them because, like Benjamin, I remember we all got strep throat at the time that my mom was passing away. And Benjamin thought, oh, well, I'm going to die from strep throat. Because I'm sick. Because I'm sick. sick. And Nana was sick. And that's going to happen to me. Um, And I think think what I've learned is that you shouldn't just um, protect your kids from the hard stuff. And you should let them see you cry. And you should let them watch you grieve. And, I mean, I think you have to have a fine balance of kind of not letting them see too much that they get overly sad themselves, but let them see enough so that they know one day I'm going to lose you and it's going to hurt like this too. And I'm going to want to know what to do. So um, Benjamin, who's, you know, almost seven now, but he was five at the time. His personality was such that he got angry and mad and sad and cried and, Yelled. Yelled and blurted it all out in two months. And kind of, it was a very difficult time because I was all those things as well. And we were both uh, just not great to be around, I guess, in the beginning. But he um, he kind of got it all out of his system. Mm-hmm. And that was really good, I think. Now, Hudson's a different personality, and he's kind of, more of an internalizer and he's carried things around and is still processing stuff today. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of 
surfaced in fear and anxiety and has been things that we've been working through with him in the last few mm -hmm. months and just missing mom and realizing that she's really gone from his life, you know, mm -hmm. like he's actually processing that. Mm -hmm. So that's been very challenging. Um, but I think, you know, I've gone through grief counseling. I've, you know, been reading grief books. I've been trying to do my homework on my own front. And so I've been able to relate some of those things to him, you know, on a kid a kid level and a, and a child to parent level. And really, it's just an opportunity, I think, you know, to grow their faith and to grow his faith and to say, you know, we're all going to go through hard times and I don't like it that you're going through it at age nine and that you're having anxiety and fear and all of this, but it's an opportunity to grow your faith. It's an opportunity to open up the Bible and read scriptures and um, just walk through it. And part of his was he would wake up and was having bad dreams after having the flu and kind of some hallucinations and all that stuff. And he was very mm -hmm. fearful that usually he would wake up and say, I want to get my Bible. Let's get the Bible. Mm. Just read to me something. It really grew Hudson's faith in, mm. in ways that we didn't expect. That's yeah, awesome. and I think, you know, he's still on his journey, and he's still on his, mm -hmm. it hasn't all gone away by any means, but I guess uh, just the, probably the, the biggest thing is to not be afraid to let your kids um, be sad or be fearful or anxious and not be don't try to protect them but just allow them to go through their own emotions their feelings and their thoughts in their own way and on in their own speed mm -hmm. and then just to be there for them and sometimes I don't have the answers for them and I just hug them and <laughs> let them cry yeah. because mm -hmm. sometimes that's the best thing that you can do for them is just yeah. let them get their emotions out because kids grieve in a different way than adults grieve you know I think for adults at least when it's your mom, you kind of think about them all the time. Where for kids, it comes and it goes, and they have triggers, and um, you just have to be there for them and be willing to talk it out or hold them and take the time, I guess. Mm. I've also made it um, a conscious effort to, you know, to let Heather know how much. You know, this is an opportunity to direct her faith uh, in a way that that she's never seen. And and you know, it's funny how things like this happen in our lives, and we see, oh, God's trying to get my attention. Mm -hmm. And and I felt that way with my cancer, and I feel this way with with um, you know Heather's mom passing away. Mm -hmm. And and I do the same thing with the boys, except in the boys, you know, I think there's a lot of fatherhood. Um, misdirection out there where they feel like they're still working off the 1960s version of, you know, boys don't cry. Um, but I let my boys know that it's okay to cry when you hurt, when you mm. miss someone, when you love someone. Uh, it's not okay to cry when you want your, uh, your way. Um, but when you have real emotions and they're raw and God gives it to you, there's a reason. And right. I want them to have to see that strength. Um, you know, they only see me cry about certain things. Um, but they see Heather grieve more physically in that way, emotionally that way. And I want to show them that this is a normal thing when we love someone. It's part of what Heather's saying yeah, about seeing it's, them. It's an, it's an acknowledgement that, you know, my mom and their Nana was an important part of their life and she loved them well. And 
if we ignore that and don't let them grieve, then kind of it's not right. <laughs> it seems like. So what what do you what is your response to the boys when they display anger? You know, over these things that have happened. I mean, do they do they do they talk about where that anger is directed? Are they angry at God or just angry at the situation? And how do you talk to them about that? You know, Hudson talked to me more about the anger than Benjamin because I think Heather was there more when Benjamin was, um, you know, acting out that way. I always explain to Hudson again that it's okay to have these emotions, and that anger, you know, is really more about why did this happen. He's not directing at God because I'll ask him, you know, is it about God? Is it about, um, you know, the doctors not telling us things? You know, that kind of thing. Um, but I try to let him know that again. That's an opportunity for us to learn about what that um, what that means to know that Nana is in heaven because she asked Jesus to be her Lord and Savior. And it's an opportunity for us to walk through it to say, like, um, yes, this is hard to deal with, and you may have these emotions that you feel. But if we actually focus on the the truth of what's going on, that that we see um, God working in our lives, that He's growing our faith. That you know, the promises of the Bible are true, that means that Nana is in, in Jesus' presence and that she has um, someone that loves her way better than we can, even though we love her immensely. Mm-hmm. So you, you direct mm-hmm. them to the truth, you, you drive them to the hope that we have in Christ. I think that's all we can do. I, I met with some other pastors, I think I mentioned this sometime last week. I met with these other pastors. This guy was, you know, it's it's interesting when you go to a meeting, and sometimes with pastors, you show up and there's someone you've never met. Uh, you don't know if you'll ever see them again. And this was one of those cases where I don't know if I'll see this man again. I hope I do. Uh, I hope he could come preach at our church, but he, he's got a, a ministry, and he was just dropping truth bombs on everybody there. And one of the things he said was, the, you know, if you, if you study the life of Jesus, it is a picture of a life completely dependent upon the Father. And that's what Jesus was saying, I don't do anything unless I see the Father doing it. I and the Father are one. Everything Jesus was learning, or was not learning, but was knowing, was being to- told to him by the Father. He was utterly dependent upon his father. And if we're going to be Christ-like, that's what we have to model, is utter dependency. And it's interesting what sorts of things God will use to sanctify somebody, to make them uh, utterly dependent upon him. And that's what I see going on in your just in the testimony that you've given here, is just, you know... We, we have to depend upon God because that's the only sure and certain thing that we have. And uh, I know that's really hard because that's not, uh, that's not, uh, that's not something that comes, that comes naturally to us. I think self-dependence comes naturally to us, or at least an idea of, I want to take care. I want to provide. And here Jackson, you're saying my body is not guaranteeing me the ability to do that. Has that caused you? Do, you? do you think that's how God's sanctifying you to be more dependent upon him? 
Um, are you a pastor? <laughs> are you also a lawyer? Um, yeah, because honest, uh, honestly, you know, it's one of those pride issues where you say, I can do it, I can do this, I can do that, I can handle everything. And I think a lot of ways God has smacked me down to say, no, you don't do anything without me. Mm. And, um, and it's hard to hear. And it's really hard to hear because I am a workaholic in a lot of ways. And I want to provide for Heather. And, um, you know, it's important for me that I take care of her and the boys everywhere I can, every way I can. And, um, and I do have a motivation of doing things that is very self-centered and self-centric and being the leader in that way. And um, I think God still reminded me because of my Meistin and Gravis, you need to take a second second seat because if you don't trust in me, then you're doing all on your own strength. And right now your strength is very weak, and that's there's a good reason for that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, and our weakness, she's made strong. What are you going to say? So, Jackson, you just went and had some tests run, and so give us a, a little update on where you're, you are health-wise right now, because I know our listeners are going to want to know that. And also let us know some yes. ways that um, we can be praying for you guys. Um, well, I, you know, I usually have uh, three months checkup, and if I'm doing good, it's every six months. And um, so I... After my January checkup, they said, oh, we see something going on. Something may be growing. We're not sure if it's um, an existing cell or um, just a um, callus or something like that. And uh, they said, we want to see you in four months, actually. And so that's why I went this last uh, week. Um, but praise God, everything came out clear. Nothing's growing. That's new. Uh, the existing areas they're monitoring has not grown. And so they said, you're stable. Good. That means a cell or whatever it is is dormant. Good. Um, so he doesn't want to see me again until November. And I always he's a he's a great guy. His name is Doctor Boris Sepesi, and uh, he always gives me awkward jokes. And I give him <laughs> awkward joke, dad jokes back, so it's fun. Depression. Yeah. And so I just let him know, like, great, you know, glad I don't have to see you again until then. <laughs> um, so that's where we're at. And um, you know, honestly, it's funny that um, Heather and I have these. Uh, in, in some ways, very different um, opposite world struggles we go through. Like, I feel very alone in my sickness. Um, I, even when I go to Houston on my own or if I go with my family, I still very, feel very alone. Huh. And they say that about cancer um, patients. Um, you know, when, when they have all these slogans says, you know, fight cancer or stand up to cancer, it sounds great from a, someone who's supporting them, and, and, and right. it's great they do that. But for the patient, they feel very alone. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's actually really good that Heather and I are at a place where we have to be vulnerable um, with one another, with our children, and, and definitely in, in reliance to God. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I ask you guys, uh, we've covered your prayers for us in trusting God in that way. Mm -hmm. And we're no, no different than anyone else. Um, you know, our story, it just happens to be our story that everyone else has. Um, ways that God is getting their attention and God is working in their lives. And so we ask that you would just pray for us that we would continue to, to um, trust him and see that we're, um, that we need to be weak and we're needing to be um, uh, open arms to him so that we're not just relying on ourselves and doing things in our own ways and our own power. Mm. Awesome. And, I'll, and uh, Jackson and Heather are also interested and in, in involved in children's ministry. It's something that's, uh, that they do. And then they also have a top secret um, project they're working on. 
And how's the top secret project coming along? It's top secret. It's so top secret. <laughs> it's going well. <laughs> so when could we when could we make some kind of announcement on the top secret project? Later on this year. Later this year. You will be seeing lots about this so on in, your mom has a blog. So in twenty eighteen we'll get some we're gonna be able to get some kind of announcement? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Before the um the Christmas season. Okay. Kind of giving a little little um Easter egg little, away there. That was a little hint. Little hint there that it's a uh, seasonal <laughs> item. It's a season special a seasonal, seasonal item. Uh, Heather has a it back. Happens to be Christian. What is that? What did you say? That happens to be Christian. A Christian, Christmas. a Christian seasonal item. <laughs> but anyway, Heather, Heather has a background uh, in art. What was is art at, at TCU? Is that what your major was? I studied uh, graphic design and Gra- art. At graphic TCU. design and art at TCU. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jackson uh, Jackson has a business background from way back working at flea markets with his parents. So, I yeah, mean, he I has a way back. degree, which means I know what people are thinking. Yeah, he, yeah, Jackson's he's... got a psychology degree, but, I mean, where he mainly and now, runs... and now he works in marketing, so he's actually tri-fold tri- there. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you're, you're, everything you ever really needed to learn, you learned at Trader's Village in Grand Prairie, right? <laughs> I really did. I mean, I learned how to catch a when did you start? When did you start selling caps and and, and uh, gigantic ladies' underwear out at Trader's Village? <laughs> well, you name it, I've sold it. Like pocket knives, brassieres, sunglasses, Catholic candles. Yeah. Well, now my my dad never got into those motorized vehicles for kids and adults. So when so, did you start uh, yeah, selling out there? Catch a thief, how to chase down a thief, and how to shame a thief. <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> How old were you? Eight? Six? I was probably eight when I started working. See? Yeah, he knows there. what's going on. He knows people, man. Jackson knows people. He's a great disciple, a great guy. <laughs> All right, we're about out of time. We're going to look for more uh, information about the Christmas seasonal item coming up this year. Maybe we can have Jackson and Heather on the podcast uh, uh, in the future. And maybe we talk about something a little more lighthearted. Yeah, but thank you all so yeah, but- much. It It really is... A blessing just to hear you guys talk about how your faith is growing and evolving through all of these hard times. And it really is awesome to be able to learn from your friends who are parents. So yeah, thanks. that's right. So I hope you're encouraged and uh, appreciate Jackson and Heather being on the uh, podcast tonight as we do 31 for 31. Jackson, Heather, any final words? No, I just, uh, we really appreciate you guys having us. We really appreciate what you guys are doing because your ministry and your your family and your faith really encourages us and we know it encourages a lot of other families out there. Yeah. In in the fifty states of of United States. And all over the world actually. Oh, all over the world. I look at the map of where the downloads are and I'm always amazed. I'm you like, don't even know. It's crazy. Like, who's listening in Norway and why? Yeah, really. Yeah, that's but but thank you. Yeah, thank you if you're listening in Norway. <laughs> Appreciate that. They're probably learning the Texan accent. Yeah, well, like, something, something something's going on there. No, it's really it's Y'all. really so, have you listened to any of the of the twelve podcasts during the March, the May Madness, Jackson? I listened to the first three. Mm-hmm. I've listened to ten. I ten out of twelve. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, Jackson, you're a super fan. Yeah, thank you so much. I might be your best follower. I I probably, I probably it's either our sister-in-law Jill or Jackson. But Jackson, I appreciate the way he always texts and says, "Chad, stop talking so much." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But you see how hard it is, right? It's really hard. It's hard not to talk. So, anyway, we'll 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 uh, 
Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time on the well tomorrow <laughs> for the Mother's Day edition of the Evolve. How many more do you have to do? <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. It's crazy, Heather. We we dread it at night, but we're doing this for Jackson. We're doing it for the people. <laughs> Maybe for the Lord. Thank you. All right, y'all have a good night. You just call me. Thank Bye-bye. you for listening. Happy Bye-bye. Mother's Day. Bye. Thank you. Bye.